0: Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Ron Gary with End Time Insights. Thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, my manager, sales manager guy, radio manager guy, told me he had some numbers for me, but I forgot to ask him. So i gonna put it on here this way. If he doesn't get it, when he hears this, he'll remember, and I'll get the information. Just about how we're doing on the radio. Hallelujah. So thank you, Jesus. We love you guys. Uh, today, I want to talk about church warnings. You know, there's a lot going on. We're studying the book of Revelation. I am this close. I got my fingers about a quarter of an inch apart. I am this close close from going through the entire book of Revelation on the radio. I think you would like it. I know I enjoy it every time. We taught it three or four years ago in our Bible study. It took over a year and it is just so, so rich. You know, I get kind of wordy at our Bible studies. The other day I had like, oh, what did I do? I did seven, uh, what was it? Smyrna was six verses and I had like 12 pages. So I made the commitment that I was only going to do, I was going to do Pergamos in two weeks. Pergamum. And so I got through with two verses and it had like seven pages. So I guess I need to just do a little better job. on watching my time. Okay, here we go. Church warnings. Jeremiah 610. Haven't been in Jeremiah in a while. To whom shall I speak, says Jeremiah, and give warning that they may hear. Behold, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. A friend of mine commented on one of my Facebook posts that worldwide revival was coming and she was excited and was looking forward to it coming to America. And I kind of chimed in and said, well, you know, that's not biblical. There is no end time revival prophesied for America. We passed the point of no return several years ago. We're just going downhill quickly. Every day you look, there's another ungodly law passed. There's another demonic Mandate from the government regarding something. Texas, we removed the mask mandate and nobody's paying attention to it. Stores are still violating that. They're still going ahead and insisting you wear a mask and everything. So we got that battle on our hands still, despite the government mandate. You know, we didn't get it. You know, the governor should have not gotten on board back when they were forcing us to do that. Now we're trying to take back ground. It's so much easier to defend ground than to take back ground. So we'll see where all this is heading. Me, I'm free. I don't wear a diaper on my face in Jesus' name. As in the days of Jeremiah and Israel, we too in America, we're in need of these warnings that Jeremiah just gave to Israel, as also with Jeremiah's frustration and that frustration coming because the people in Israel rejected the word of God. Well, we're no different here. It was a reproach to them, and it's a reproach to us in America also. We have no respect for the word of God. With churches on every corner, you'd think the gospel of Jesus Christ, it wouldn't be a mystery to anybody, and it shouldn't be. Unlike a still small portion of the world that hasn't heard about Jesus Christ yet, we've heard here in America, we know who Jesus is. We know who God is. And unfortunately for us, we have heard and we have rejected him. We said, no, we don't want you in our lives, Father. We don't want you in our businesses. We don't want you in our entertainment. We don't even want you in our churches anymore. Oh, who was it? Somebody made a great comment. Can I remember it? Oh, who was it? I got to get it. It was awesome. Talking about the fact that the churches are not making the demands of God on the people. We're letting them off from the demands of God that the Bible puts on the people. And this is the type of church that we have. We have a carnal, compromising, cowardly church because we're not holding people accountable. Hallelujah. And so the message from the church needs to be a message of warning. The message to the church needs to be a message of warning. It's no longer just about the love of God. That always preaches. But it has also got to include the judgment and the soon coming wrath of God. Hebrews 11:7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world. By Noah, building the ark, that was a condemnation on the world. I'm ready, you're not. And became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. To be truthful, the love of God compels me to tell you the truth, always. That's just who we are. Love, as always, speaks the truth. If it ain't got truth, it ain't love. But on another level, as a Bible student, I know what awaits those of us who reject the Messiah, Jesus. And I know the future of such people scares the hell right out of someone, man. Yes, I admit I am being motivated just like Noah, and I am being motivated by fear. I am not ashamed to say that. I know what happens to those in the church who have been tricked and deceived and go back into carnality. At the very best, they miss the rapture and they're forced to go through the tribulation. Worst case scenario, they just keep hardening their heart and hardening their heart. You know, it's very difficult, the Bible says, for those who once tasted of the gospel, tasted of the goodness of God, were enlightened. Hallelujah, by God's Holy Spirit. It's very difficult for them to be renewed once again. And that's why we're praying. That's why I'm fearful. There are friends I know that go to the churches I used to go to. And they're just being the strange stuff, man. And these people are friends. They're members of the body of Christ. And they're on such dangerous ground. And, you know, people say, well, Ron, you're being critical. Well, I'm judging critically. Did you know that the word of God, what does it say? Edify. You know what edify means? Edify means to judge critically. It means to encourage, to lift up, and to form critical judgments and tell people the truth, even when it's not convenient. And, you know, I've had good friends, teachers, Bible teachers that say critically means, uh, you know, edify means just you bless people, you lift them up. There's no negative. There's no fear. I had people tell me, that if it's fear, it's not God. I... I there's nothing that could be further from the truth. I've had people tell me God's not sovereign. I mean, where are we going? Do these people understand what they're saying, that they are violating the very presence and essence of the God that made them and by declaring God is not sovereign? Man, that, the audacity of mankind. It's amazing. You're going to see it when we get down in less than a little bit further. So my greatest fear, though, is for those who are currently in the body of Christ and are ready to be taken out through deception and compromise. That is a huge number of people. Remember, Jesus said many will be deceived. The very first thing he told the disciples when they asked him what's going to go on in the end times, he goes, don't let anyone deceive you. Many will be deceived. Carnality seems to be ruling the day and the holiness that's required is missing. And unfortunately, that reveals a sorry state of many who name the name of Christ. False teachers and false doctrines are running rampant within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 4.14 I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons I warn you. That was Paul. Rampant sin, you know, when you committed fornication or adultery in the region where the Corinthian church was, there was a phrase that was adopted to define such behavior, and it was called, oh, you're parenthesizing." They said when people were cheating on their spouses, when people were having sexual orgies, they would actually say these people are Corinthizing." Well, this is the people that Paul wrote the letter to, that I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. We're in the ministry of warning people. We had marriage ministry for a while, and now we have the ministry of warning the body of Christ. It still comes under the heading of love. We warn you because we love you. When Diane and I, when we write a post or we preach a message or we make a video or we teach a Bible study, we point out the message of unnatural grace or we talk about the fact that uh, carnality or compromise within today's church is damning it. We're not trying to run anyone down. We're identifying the cancers that are within the body that need to be dealt with. Because like Jesus, we love you, and we are guarding your salvation. When we notice something, constructive criticism, when we notice something off in the body or someone preaching compromise, that's not criticism, it's discernment. And if you lack it, you will fall. We don't lack it. We read the Bible. We practice what we read. We live by the Word of God. We love you. And because we are answerable to God, you know... About you, you know, for those in our sphere of influence, we're going to give you the truth. Acts 20 and 32. And this is Paul. This is tremendous. You know, they were having some problems in the church. Paul's about ready to go home. So he gathered all the leaders from the churches around the region. And he says, guys, therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years. I didn't stop warning you. I ceased not to warn you, everyone. And I warned you day and night with my tears. It was breaking my heart. And I was telling you for three years, this is what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Well, let's go back to verse 29 and 30. For I know this, that after my leaving, after my departing, after my death, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, also of your own selves shall men rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Yeah. And we see this, all this is happening. People are compromising the word of God for the sake of promotion, for the sake of profit. Supposing that gain is godliness, making merchandise of you as the Peter talks about it in the Bible. These are the things that we are guarding against. You know, we've got big churches, but they're not preaching you the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've altered things. They've made things. They've added things. They left things out. This is a danger to you because it's Jesus's church. And Jesus loves his church and Jesus guards his church. And you're going to see in a minute just how much he's guarding his churches. The grievous wolves, they had already entered in. Okay, they were there. And the perverse things already were being spoken in the church that Paul was talking about. And nothing was being done about it. Let's look at Ephesus in John's day, you remember John, and see what Jesus had to say about dealing with grievous wolves trying to enter into the body of Christ, Revelation two two. And, you know, this is the church. Uh, which one is this? This one is Ephesus. And the only thing we ever preach about Ephesus is what? It was the church that lost its first love. Well, that's a misquote to begin with. They didn't lose their first love. They left their first love. They didn't misplace their love for Christ. They walked away from it. They left it behind. They got distracted. Jesus is saying, I know thy works and I know thy labor and I know your patience. How you cannot bear them which are evil and you have tried them which say they are apostles and they are not and have found them liars. Here, before Jesus gives him a hard time about uh, letting go of his hand, he's commending them for doing a great job they hate those which are evil they did not want them in the church they ran them off and they also tried those many people came over from Rome they wanted to build a reputation and so they were representing themselves as apostles and Paul says which say i'm sorry John says what say they are apostles. They weren't apostles, but they said they were apostles. Well, the church over at Ephesus says, well, we're going to check this out. Don't forget, Ephesus was a works church. They did a lot of stuff, man. And part of the works that they did, they tried the false. They looked for the spirit behind what was going on. Jesus commended the saints at Ephesus because they bothered to test the spirits of those who claimed to be apostles. The Greek word is perazo, and it means to perform a close examination for the purpose of revealing purity Or flaws. We don't do that in our churches anymore. We too easily give the public to just about anyone that's got a nice hairdo, some fame, uh, some money, a name, and a carnal appeal. We are not following the Holy Spirit of God. We are cowards in our own churches. I don't understand that. We're supposed to be protecting the sheep. And once again, God always calls out the pastors. This is a pastor's job. It's not mine. I don't have that voice. I can go on Facebook. I can go on the radio. I can go to my Bible study, and I can go to—I'm missing one. Well, whatever. But— I can go to a teaching class, and but my voice. Uh, these people have not been placed under my authority. They are under the individual pastors' authority, and it's up to the pastors to make sure that they are safe. But too many pastors are concerned about building their own brand, building their own church, and the sheep are being neglected. That's the warning that Jesus is giving us here in the Bible, John four one. He, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Once again, we see John warning us, just like Jesus, many false prophets. I think we got a little heads up in America recently. I don't know how many of you follow prophetic voices in our nation, but I would say the great majority of them were prophesying that President Trump was going to win back-to-back presidencies. Well, obviously, that has not been the case. I know it was stolen, but that doesn't count. A prophet knows whether it would be stolen or not. And the way I was taught by Brother Kenneth Hagin, if you're a prophet, you are never wrong. John warned the church to test the spirits as well because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Jesus and John, Jude, Peter, they knew what the church was up against. They knew what was coming down the pike. They knew what the future held, and they tried to warn us about it. They knew what they would face. They knew what would come against them. They knew how it would come. They pretty much had an idea when it would come. They gave us stern warnings of what to look for and how to deal with them once they popped up. We are required to remove them from our midst. Did you know that? We are commanded to have no fellowship with them. Did you know that? We are told to deal with false doctrines in the church. That's right. And to remove those who teach such doctrines from our church. But Jesus himself gives the sternest warning in Revelation 2. We're in the church at Pergamos now. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them at Pergamos, Pergamum, either or, Pergamus is the feminine, Pergamum is the neutral usage of the word, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. Balaam was not a prophet of God. He was not a false prophet. He was a witch. He was a prophet of Balaam. He was a follower of Baal, and he was a diviner. He was a sorcerer. So you have people there teaching the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak, the king of uh, the enemies of Israel, to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things. Here's the stumbling block. To eat things, sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. Let me give you a quick update on Balaam and the story. Balaam. The king Balak, he hired uh, Balaam. Balaam's God was money. He hired Balaam to go ahead and curse the Jews because they were being intimidated by the Jews. The Jews were growing in number. They were strong. They were mighty. They were favored by God. Three times he promised them. He promised Balaam riches. Three times Balaam went to curse them, and God stopped him, and he blessed Israel. And so the king was getting all frustrated, and finally Balaam said, look, I can make good on this. And so he said, this is how you defeat them. You cause them to compromise. It was Baal Peor is where they were. It was probably the darkest place in the region at that time. And they had temple prostitutes there, and he, Balaam told the king, go ahead and get the temple prostitutes, have them run out naked, had them go ahead and seduce the men of Israel that are working out in the fields, the army, and then go ahead and bring them back into the temple. They'll be eating food, sacrifice unto idols. You will have them in their grasp. And so basically, Balaam laid a trap for the men of Israel. And sure enough, God got displeased and it worked. You know, the men of Israel compromised. It talks about the fact that Israel joined themselves to Baal, And it was a terrible time. I believe the number was... I think it was 22 or, 24,000 dollars. God killed men, the children, his children, of Israel, because of their compromise, because of their fornication, because of their eating stuff that was set apart for the demons. He actually said this is a sacrifice to a demon, but the Israelites said, no big deal. Because of all that, God slew 23, 24,000 of his own people. Do you think God likes compromise? And you'll see Balaam in six or seven chapters later on in Numbers 30, uh, when Israel got right and they repented, they came after Balak, and they actually destroyed Balaam in that time also. Revelation 2, 14 and 16. I just talked about the first one about Balaam. Also at Pergamus, you have them that hold the doctrines of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. God didn't hate the Nicolaitans. He hated their doctrine. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So Jesus is telling the saints of Pergamos, look, there's good things that you're doing. I like that. You've defended my word. I like that. You've held my name. I like that. Uh, that's perfect. You've defended my faith. I like that. You've not cast it down. You've not denied my faith. However, you were putting up with those who were teaching trash. You were putting up with the leaders who were teaching garbage, who were teaching compromise, who were teaching carnality. I don't want that. You need to repent. He said it to the people that were teaching it, and he said it to the people that were allowing it. Verse 16, repent or else. As a kid, I got plenty of or else's. I mean, it was every night it was or else. Ron, do this or else. Ron, do that or else. And my dad and the strap were normally usually the or else that came into my life. So anyway, I have never heard anyone speak on this in the Bible. I've been a Christian for 45 years, 1981. No, 40 years. What is today? 40 years. I got born again in 1981. I've been a Christian for 40 years. I've been married for 45 years. That's right. Sorry, I didn't mean to get them confused. (laughs) Hallelujah. I have never heard anyone speak on these scriptures before, ever. And if you have, you can go ahead and write me and tell me, yes, I heard teaching on that. I doubt it. I doubt it. This stuff doesn't get spoken about in the church. That's why our churches are so compromising, so carnal, and so uh, cowardly. I have never heard anyone speak on these scriptures before, and I am confident when I say, neither have you. You must remember, this is Jesus. Catch this. This is Jesus' church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's not my gospel. It's not your gospel. It's not my faith. It's not your faith. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is the faith of God. It's the faith of Jesus Christ. He owns it. He created it. He still has possession of it. And he gives it to us to watch over, to use, and to defend. So... And we are literally the body of Christ. Okay, sorry. You must remember, this is Jesus Christ. We belong to him. And we are literally the body. We're not the bride. We are the body. The bride is in the future. We are the body now. You can be the body or you can be the bride. You can't be both. We are the body. We are connected to him. We shouldn't be, you know, my my legs and my arms don't do things that my head doesn't tell them to do. They don't have a mind of their own. But for some reason, we in the body think we have a mind of our own. We think we know more than the head of the church knows. Look at this. Look at this. You must remember this is Jesus' church. We belong to him. We are literally the body of Christ. We are not the future bride. We are the current body chosen. Each and every one of you, every one of us, chosen by him specifically, and he has already joined you to him. We are attached. The head is to move us about as he wills. Balaam was a false prophet. He was actually a diviner or a seer or a witch. He operated in the realm of the spirit for financial gain. He was powerful, but his power didn't come from God. He taught Israel to compromise. No better yet, he trapped Israel into compromise. Many in the church were teaching the doctrine of Balaam that it was okay to compromise and to dwell where idols were and to commit sexual fornication. And, you know, it, it, it goes like this, you know, in in the church at Smyrna, Pergamus. Smyrna was a church where there were unions and guilds and uh if you were employed, you had to join a union. Well, they had their own idols and gods for each union, and they had to uh, renounce the Lord and proclaim that Domitian was Lord, the Emperor, or that these idols were Lord's and they were teaching there the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was, well, you know, it's okay. You're just trying to stay alive. You're just trying to put a little food on your table. You don't really mean it. You know, it was that type of attitude that came in. And so we see that many in the church were teaching the doctrine of Balaam, and it was okay to compromise and to dwell where idols weren't commit sexual fornication. Also, the Nicolaitans had a similar doctrine of compromise. Your soul was saved. So it didn't really matter what your flesh did because your soul was saved. The Bible clearly said that, uh, to be carnally minded is that, the Bible says, fleshly lusts lust which war against the soul. Well, they were promoting the doctrine, false doctrine. They were promoting the doctrine, teaching the doctrine that because you are spirit saved, soul saved, that your flesh was not saved and therefore you had no control over it. So don't worry about it. You know, and this is false. Jesus hated this doctrine. He commanded them to repent. That was his warning. But then he threatened them as if they refused to repent. And boy, did he ever threaten them. Check this out. He says, I will come quickly. He gave the church time to repent. He always does. He told them, uh, he told those guys that committed such sin to repent as well as them who allowed such sin. He told them, you got to repent. But then he says, if you refuse, he would come unto them quickly. That means he would come at a gallop. He would come fast-tracking it. He would come, and he would make a beeline straight for them. And his judgment uh, would come in a flash. There would be no delay. And what would he do when he got there? He would fight against them. The last thing you want is to have Jesus Christ declare war on you. And yet that's what he did to his church. Let me get, give you it here. He was ready to fight them, and we know who wins when you're fighting with God. But it gets worse. He will fight them with the sword of his mouth. He actually came out, and he said, this is not a little skirmish. I am declaring a major war. We are going to war. This is my church. Can you understand that? This, you are my body. This is my faith. And what are you doing to it? What are you doing with it? How dare you? He was furious. He said, I'm going to come, and I'm going to fight, and I'm going to fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Now, remember, in Pergamos, they talked about that the ruler, the proconsul, he had the right of the sword, and basically that meant when you went before him, and they said, oh, Harry's a Christian, you went before him, and he went ahead and he said, okay, uh, I find you guilty. And then he would take the sword, and he would either drop it, or he would make a motion, and your head would come off. Or he would do it in the other hand, and he would say, okay, innocent, and you would go free. That was the right of the sword, and the governor of the town used it. It was called something, but I forget the name of it. Well, Jesus said in... Pergamon just now, well, I'm going to come and I'm going to fight against you, but I'm going to use the sword of my mouth. You're not going to like this. And that's why you haven't heard any teachings on this, but we need to understand this. The Greek word here for sword is romphaya. This was not any old common Roman sword. Actually, it wasn't a Roman sword at all. It was basically a it was a Thracian sword, the arch enemies of Rome. And the Roman soldiers were fearful of this weapon. It was a pole saw. It was a sickle on the end of a saw. And this thing was powerful. You went into a group of people and you just slashed and thrashed and you, you did back and forth. And man, you created a bloodbath. You created a massacre, man. Wherever it was used, it resulted in a bloodbath for the enemy. Rick Reiner says it like this, If the erroneous leaders refuse to do what I am lovingly wanting you to do, says Jesus, I will come with a sword, I will hack my way back into my church, and that church belongs to me. The church does not belong to you, it is mine. I will take back my church, but I will take it back, and your blood is what I will take it back with. Your blood will be required. Basically, he's going to create a bloodbath to remove those who oppose him. He will massacre them. Jesus is still saying the same thing to the churches today, especially in America. Today, we must heed these warnings. This is not a game. This is not a religion. You must understand it's his church. It's not yours. It's his faith. It's not yours. You are his body. It's not yours. And he will fight to defend you all day long. But you had better learn to obey him because he will go to war with you if you don't.